Building influence is something anyone can learn. It's an investment you can make in yourself and it can hold the keys to achieving your dreams and having the life and impact you want to have. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. I've learned a lot over three decades about building and sustaining influence and how using it and using it effectively can make a big, big difference in your life and career. Here on She Said, She Said podcast, we're digging into the different dimensions that help us build and sustain influence. If you thought being an influencer was just for social media, think again. Whether you're starting a business, raising money for a cause, negotiating a promotion, running your household, or trying to connect with those who don't share your views, understanding and using the different dimensions of influence will increase your chances of success whatever your goals may be. Listening to She Said, She Said podcast is a smart, efficient investment you can make in you. I'm really glad you're here and I'm excited we're on this journey together. Hey friend, welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking about personal brand development and your story. So let me start with a question. How do you take all those skills and experiences, all those things that you've done, where you've worked, what you've learned, and craft all those things into a compelling narrative that supports your brand and your career objectives, but that also differentiates you in a way that helps you create more influence for yourself? This can be an especially big challenge for a person, especially when she is pivoting in her career or trying to differentiate herself from the competition. But that is the topic that we're going to talk about today. I am really excited to welcome my guest. Her name is Laura Fravel. She is an executive branding and communications coach. She's a thought leadership advisor and a keynote speaker and facilitator. And she helps executives and founders create their most impactful brands through telling their stories most effectively. Laura spent 20 years traveling the world and covering and producing stories for media outlets, brands, and causes. And she takes what she learned to help others now craft their best stories. She's worked with National Geographic and Netflix and Amazon and the New York Times, among others, helping all of those organizations and their executives tell really compelling stories that resonate. In today's conversation, a few things that you're going to learn that I think you'll really appreciate and get a lot of value from. First, how to untangle a quote unquote borrowed identity. You know, when you've worked in an organization for a while, you can get tangled up. Your identity can get really tangled up in the organization itself. And it can be difficult or hard to differentiate between your brand and the organization's brand, especially when you decide to leave. So how do you go about that? Laura shares some great perspective. In this conversation, you'll also learn why if everyone loves you, you're probably not doing enough to actually stand out. You'll also hear Laura's perspective on how to balance between authenticity, oversharing, and vulnerability, and how to know when enough is enough. 
You'll also learn some common traps that she finds her clients fall into as it relates to crafting their stories and their brands. Laura and I had to also talk a little bit about how using chat GPT and AI can be a really helpful tool. You'll also get some great tips for how to recognize perfection and how to deal with it when it is maybe standing in your way of telling your most compelling story. There's a lot packed into this episode, so I'm excited for you to hear it. Without further delay, here is my conversation with Laura Fravel. Welcome to She Said, She Said. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Well, I'm delighted to have you. You and I have been working to make this conversation happen for, I don't know, several weeks, several months. Um, Lots going on this spring. So I am really, really thrilled to welcome you. When I first ran across your background and we started interacting on LinkedIn, I was really intrigued. And one of the topics that I want to make sure that we talk about, which I think is so important, is this concept of how do we, when we've you know been going along in our career for a number of years and we decide we want to make a big pivot and we're not quite sure where to start with which pieces of our stories we should pull? We have all this experience and all this, all these things that we've done, but where do you start in telling your most compelling story? Oh, that's a great question. I think it comes down to a few things. One, getting really clear on where you want to go, what impact you want to have, what, you know, where, what do you stand for? Because I think our default is often telling the story of our past, where we've been, because we have great credibility and uh, it, you know, gives us legitimacy. And we have, you know, years, if not decades of experience in a certain niche. So a lot of times we default to what we've done instead of telling the story of where we want to go. So I think first and foremost, get really clear on where you want to go, how to articulate that, and then use your past as that credibility and authority. Yeah, I, I love that. It also begs the question of, I think sometimes we can fall into that trap of really a borrowed identity, if you will, where you get so wrapped up in the organization that you're working with or for that it becomes almost your default identity. I'm fascinated by this, and I know it's an area that you spend a lot of time on. Talk to us and share your perspective and tips for how to begin to unwind that borrowed identity, if you will. I know, that's a a hard one. I think, yes, and a lot of clients I work with some within companies, some who have left. It's hard when you, especially as a high achiever, you've worked in the corporate world or for a company for a long time. You really are. It's how do you introduce yourself without stating your great title and the company you work for? And I think that's, to me, you know, developing your identity, especially when you've left the corporate world, is just as much personal development as anything as professional development. I think it's like I said, kind of going back to what I said earlier, it's really looking at where do you want to go? What impact do you want to have? What are your amazing strengths? And start telling that story and start showing up more authentic as well. I think the corporate world, the business world, you know, if you're a certain generation, you've been taught to play in this box, the corporate box, and look a certain way, 
dress a certain way, even, you know, even as a woman in certain professional environments and industries. So I think it's looking at what narratives have I been telling the world and hence myself, which of those don't align with who I really truly want to be. And now how can I start telling a new narrative? So it's stopping, pausing, asking some deep questions, having a sounding board. I think that's really important. Yeah. Laura, let's talk about how you got into this world of storytelling and the coaching that you're doing now is a little different from where your career first started. Maybe let's talk a little bit about your background and how you got into this work. So I started in TV and more in journalism and documentary TV. So I spent about 20 years in TV media world, uh, worked for National Geographic and then went on to produce for and do a lot of story development as well for multiple other media channels out there from Netflix to Discovery, et cetera. And then that morphed into kind of brand marketing. So the branding marketing world really embraced storytelling. And through, you know, throughout those 20 years, I think in it took in retrospect, but time and time again, my job was to find one person, one quote unquote character, which was always a real person in the TV I worked in, the documentary world, and tell their story. Because the TV world has known for decades that we connect to other humans and their stories and their vulnerability and their authenticity. So looking back, I was really struck by the people who always said, I don't have a story to tell. Why, you know, I really, I'm boring. And after we pulled that story out of them, they would always come back and say, thank you. I had no idea that story could change the world, could help someone, could innovate an industry, could forward my career. So that's when I really started shifting to working with the the individual and helping them with their thought leadership, get their brilliant story out there, because it really is, I think, incredibly, incredibly powerful. Yeah, I love that. Maybe talk a little bit more about how you made that career pivot. And was there a moment where you decided, okay, this, I want to use my skill sets and do this other thing? Or sort of how did that come about? Oh, it was, (laughs) it was probably a very slow process as many. I thought I was going to be more brand marketing, identity, storytelling work for companies, not just TV anymore. And there was a couple executives who reached out to me and said, hey, can you help me with my story? And so it was a very slow transition from TV to then more company identity work to then slowly into actually more of the identity the individual, the executive or founder. And I still do some team identity narrative work, but the transition, it was just very slow. I think the impetus was I wanted out of TV. It was kind of a rat race. There's, (laughs) I could go on and on about TV world. Love (laughs) treasured my time in it. It was ready. It was ready for my next phase. And it was a little bit of an experimentation to get to where I landed now. 
Yeah. So you work a lot with executives and founders. I know working with women executives in particular is a passion mm-hmm. point for yeah. you. Maybe could you share any observations that you have in working because you work with both women and men, but maybe things that are somewhat unique challenges, if you will, as it relates to women telling their stories. We can oftentimes be our worst critics and be, you know, much less inclined to share our value and really our story. Maybe talk a little bit about what you see and the differences. Yeah, that's a great question. I think overall, it is pretty amazing to see no matter what level you're at on the career ladder, People don't feel like they have much of a story. They feel their life is boring, mundane. Who wants to hear what I have to say? That's pretty universal. And I almost feel like the higher up you get, often there's even more of that fear. Women in particular, I think we're raised to be modest, to shine the light on other people, to lift others up, which is such an amazing leadership quality. And we should embrace it. But at the same time, I think we're really hesitant to promote ourselves, to share our accomplishments. What I like to say is more, I think, self-expression instead of self-promotion. And that often tends to help women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how maybe showcasing your brand and your value in a way that actually helps other people by promoting whatever it is that that thing that you do, that you do so well which is, yes, I think we've at a certain point in your career, you've accumulated so much knowledge and experience that I think there is a huge desire. There's often this burning desire to give back, to have more of an impact in your industry in your with your work. And the only way to do that, and I see a lot of women reaching this point, actually, the only way to do that is to start putting your voice out there and your story and your expertise. It's just getting over that hump of, you know, actually doing it. I think it really starts with getting clarity. Once you get clarity on who you are, how you want to show up, the voice you want to have, I think that then snowballs into greater confidence. Yeah, I totally agree. It also strikes me that it also aligns a lot with at least how I think about influence, that it's a real building block to becoming your most influential self is finding ways to actually share that value. Let's talk, Laura, a little bit about how you think about influence and this alignment between influence and story. I think it's more about connection than anything. So stories are, it's our human DNA. (laughs) That's how we really connect. We build trust. There's also great brain research science about when you hear, particularly on stage, like when you hear a speaker, when they tell a story, the audience's brain starts to mimic the brainwaves and stuff start to mimic that of the speaker. And it releases dopamine and all that type of, yeah, cool. I can geek out on the science part. Yeah. And it really is a pathway to gaining trust. So whether you're sharing it on, say, LinkedIn or a stage or even in a presentation, the more you can weave in some of those personal stories and your authentic self, that's what connects us. And I think that emotional connection is what creates influence. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that, Laura. That's so great. For anyone who's listening, Laura does such a beautiful job of using her LinkedIn to share her story and her brand and and really tell these very compelling narratives in ways that there's tools built into them, which I I love um, how you do that. Maybe let's talk a bit about how you use social platforms like LinkedIn. You've you have your story, you are attempting to promote and share your brand, you're building your influence, but maybe some tips on using platforms like LinkedIn for that purpose. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's pa- LinkedIn is incredibly powerful, I think, these nowadays. And you're on there as well. Laura. I am. Yeah, that's how we sort of connected, I which know. is so fun. <laughs> amazing. To me, it's like one big you know, happy hour cocktail party where you just can meet and chat with like minded or people who even stir new ideas. It's great. I think it really is about you have to be a bit bold and put your perspective out there. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's, I think especially if you're starting out, or even if you, you know, dread doing it, I think a little bit more about sparking conversation than saying, this is my view and fearful of getting criticized or judged. It can be coined more as this is what I'm seeing. Tell me what you're seeing. So I think it's a lot about sparking conversation with your experience, your journey. Yeah, that sort of focus on engagement right. much more so than actually, okay, here is me, here is my brand I'm trying to to ultimately promote. As part of that, Laura, even with the best of intentions, you know, we can accumulate both cheerleaders and critics <laughs> in doing our work. It's just, it goes with the territory. So maybe talk a little bit about getting over the apprehension that people may feel about sharing their ideas or their perspective. And then what you do when you run into people that are pretty tough on you, sharing really tough, either constructive or maybe just downright negative feedback or responses to what you're posting. I think on the whole, you usually attract more cheerleaders than naysayers. So, and if everybody loves you and doesn't disagree with you, then your messaging is probably not standing out as well. So, great point. I think there is something to say about you can't appeal to everyone. And if you're trying to appeal to everyone, you're probably not doing a great job attracting your ideal client, getting clients, building relationships. So, you know, on LinkedIn, it allows you, if someone really is just flat out rude and out of line, you can delete their comment from your feed, your, from your posts, just delete them. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now, if someone just politely disagrees with you, I think that's a great way to start a conversation. And it can be as simple as thank you for pointing out the other side of the equation, you know, the, a different perspective that's really intriguing, or you can, you know, talk back and forth. It'll, it opens your mind as well to other perspectives. Yeah. Authenticity is a, a powerful concept. And I know it's something that you talk about a lot. But let's talk a bit about how you get the balance right between being your authentic self and maybe oversharing, because I feel like there can be some confusion. Um, And for a generation that's maybe a little younger than you and I are, 
I think there's a greater comfort that they seem to have in sharing more, not necessarily too much, but but in sharing more. Yes. <laughs> Whereas people who grew up in a certain age before social media are a little more reluctant to even share sort of the minimum. So how do you know <laughs> when enough <laughs> is enough, right? You're sharing enough, you're being vulnerable enough, you're being authentic enough. Talk about kind of, is there a baseline or a, a, you know, a guideline for how you know? Part of it's your comfort level to a certain degree. I mean, you have to push your boundaries a little. And I love that you bring up the comfort of the younger generation who does this, because I think as leaders, or if you are managing the younger generation, it is so key to start showing up with more authenticity, or you're just going to have such a hard time connecting with them. We kind of have to meet them halfway at least. Mm -hmm. I think there's also a big misconception between authenticity and vulnerability. So you can show up authentic, just showing up more as your personality, your values, sharing your perspective, being a little bit more you. Now, vulnerability is, do you want to share your struggles at home or with cancer or even in your leadership journey? Mm -hmm. That is where I think you have, I think that's more where people struggle with is how vulnerable do I have to be? Do I have to divulge all my life? And my answer is absolutely not. It's, you have to share some, but you get to decide what parts of your life you want to share. Yeah, that's really good advice. It's really good advice. I've always found, and I'm, I have historically always been very reluctant to share any vulnerability because I was sort of raised to believe that was a bit of a weakness and that it would really undermine your leadership authority. And I found myself in leadership positions very early on in my career. And so I was extremely afraid of being undermined as a result of showing those weaknesses. Whereas, you know, as I've gotten older, I realized that sharing vulnerability, and also talking about how you've dealt with these challenges can be a real point of connection and really helps you build your influence as a result. Absolutely. And I think you brought up a, the way you're talking about it, how you got through it. So a lot of times we don't necessarily always want to share our vulnerability in the moment. There's certain circumstances when, yes, you absolutely can and it's great, but a lot of people feel more comfortable sharing the vulnerability once they've gotten over the hump. So in the midst of the struggle, it can be ugly and awful. But then on the other side, you can share that ugly journey, but you have a takeaway. There's something positive. There's something people can learn from it. You feel good because you can share something that people can learn from. So that's the other way that I think it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Laura, let's talk about, you know, people I'm sure come to you for all kinds of help. Maybe they've been trying to share their story and they're like, it's just not working. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> what are some some areas where people don't get it right or sort of some some commonality? Again, recognizing that everybody's different, men and women are different, you know, depending on where you are in your career, all those things. But are, are there any sort of common traps that you find people fall into when they are starting to try to share more of their story and their authentic selves? Oh, that's a great question. I think it 
comes back to they default to more information, you know, processes. They want to help people, so they share the tips and tricks and, yes, just more information-driven, which is great. People want tips and tricks and stuff, but I think it doesn't get us to that connection point as quick. Someone's going to trust you more, reach out to you more, remember you more if you add those stories, those personal stories in as well, you weave those in, you know, whether it be a keynote or a LinkedIn post or what it be. It's hard for people to get over not talking like a quote unquote professional. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That, yeah. We throw on that professional facade and that professional voice. Yeah. So part of it is figuring out what is your voice? Like ditch yeah. the professional jargon. Now, how are you going to start talking? Yeah, it's it's striking that balance, right? It's it's got to be, you know, you want to be professional, right? You want to be taken seriously. Um, at the same time, people actually want to connect with a real person, and I think that's true whether you're doing whether you're a podcaster or whether you're a corporate executive or whether it doesn't yeah. matter really what it is that you do. And I think that's especially true right now. Um, at this moment in time, because there is so much visibility um, and sort of a lens, a much more personal lens into what we do, if, if we allow that, if we are engaged in social media, as we talked about before. Yeah, COVID just fast forward in that. Yes, absolutely. It's now a necessity to show up authentic. I really do think as a leader, you're going to be left behind if you're not and leader. I mean, you know, whether you're managing people within a, a company or whether you're leading your own company and trying to attract clients. It really is, I think, a key, key thing. We're in the age of information overload, AI and chat GBT, that can spit out some of the most fabulous articles or newsletters for you or whatever it be, super intelligent. But what it's missing is the authenticity and the personal stories and the vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. I know you've been writing a bit about using AI and chat GPT in particular, maybe some advice and best practices for how you can utilize those tools without completely losing <laughs> your authentic self in the process. <laughs> so I haven't written much. I just have been which today, doing my own little research and playing around, experimenting, wrote a newsletter about it, my most recent right. newsletter. So I think the more, it, it's great to help you come up with an outline or a structure for whether it be a talk or article or newsletter, but you really do need to weave in that weave in one of your stories, like start the newsletter or article with, with one of your experiences to grab the people to relate to you and then transition into here are the, you know, the tips that you can take away. And when you're doing it, you have to be really specific. The more specific you ask for, ask chat GBT, like who you are, who your audience is, what you specifically want, the better your answer is going to gonna be. Yeah. I mean, it, it's an exciting time. And if you, if anybody listening, and I'm sure everybody listening has played around with AI and chat GPT at least a little bit, 
to kind of see what it's capable of doing, it's really amazing. And from to me, from an ideation and, and creativity standpoint, it's fascinating because just pick any topic and you can go off on a tangent and find all sorts of nuggets. Although I do, I do find my, and maybe, I don't know if they're all the same, but my chat GPT gets it wrong an awful lot. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and I, you know, I'm always double checking the sources to make sure that what I'm getting is actually correct because I've caught it in so many errors. But what's funny is we'll engage in this exchange and I'll say, are you sure that that's right? I thought it was this and they, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I, <laughs> you are exactly right. And then they'll backtrack. I'm like, okay, that's really disconcerting when you find that they're leading you down this weird trail. So it is really important to verify that information. Yes. I even did an experiment recently where I asked it to inject some personal stories. Mm. So I want to see if I can do a little bit more storytelling. So, you know, I just, I, I forget what the exact example was, but it didn't give me a personal story. It told me how someone was giving a story. So it was like, Sarah shared vulnerable stories with her team. When she did that, it connected her to the team, but it didn't actually give the personal story. So uh, that was kind of proof to me. Yeah. It's, it's a great tool to use, but it is not going to replace our newsletters, our writing, our talks. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's such a fascinating topic. I could say one thing in response earlier when you were talking about being professional. Mm-hmm. I think we've related professional with being perfect. Mm, what a great topic. So, tell me more. We've, when we talk about dropping the professional facade, we still want to show up professional, but somehow we think we have to be perfect to be professional. And I think that's just a mindset shift that we need to make to allow us to bring in more authenticity and vulnerability. You can still be professional and be authentic and vulnerable. Yeah. Men can certainly struggle with perfection just like women, but from my perspective and my experience, I find it more acutely problematic for women, uh, myself included. And I, you know, I'm now, I've been studying this topic and thinking about it for a really long time and recognizing my own challenges and weaknesses as it relates (laughs) to perfection. And what you just said is absolutely spot on because it's that that idea of like a fear of being found out that you do have these flaws <laughs> that you, I mean, by the way, <laughs> right? Not perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's a really interesting um, dimension of all of this that I think is so incredibly powerful. Any, any tips or tools that you have for maybe recognizing that tendency or things that you use with your clients that's been helpful? Oh, Good question. I mean, for for a lot of people, it's accountability. Saying, I'm going to try this post or I'm going to try speaking this way and having that accountability, that definitely helps p- to push people over that hump. So getting outside input, in other words? Right. Having the sounding board, having an accountability partner. I think it's also a lot of asking yourself, why? 
there's a fear there. Mm. Sometimes it's a little bit deeper. Why are you afraid of showing up more authentic? And even journaling on that. And then making a commitment to do one thing to show up a little bit more authentic the next day or the next week. You know, what's one thing I can do to be more me in showing up? And also picking, you know, whether you have a meeting or whether you want to start posting on social media. So have it very concrete, that one thing. Yeah, I love that because it sort of underscores that idea of small habits when you do them over and over, right? Micro habits become the, you know, the the grease that really helps you move something forward. So I love that you underscore that dimension. Any other interesting projects that you're working on related to story that we should know about? Well, one thing I always find really fascinating. So I also do, I work one-on-one, but I also work, do workshops with teams or executives through kind of L&D and that type of thing. And I do this exercise often. It's so simple where everybody introduces themselves as a personal tidbit And then I kind of have criteria of how you're supposed to introduce yourself. Everybody introduces themselves. And then I ask someone, what's one thing you remember about someone else? Hmm. It is never their title. It's never some project. It is always, hey, yeah, I run marathons too. Or it's really interesting. So kind of going back just as validating proof of why it's so important to show up authentically. It's just, it's such a cool exercise to see how much we do gravitate towards towards those personal tidbits. Yeah, I love that, Laura. Thank you so much for the time today. It's really been a pleasure to get to know you. You too, thank you for having me. Hey friend, thanks so much for joining us today. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what of my conversation with Laura Fravel resonated most with you? Which elements did you find most useful? I would really, really love to hear. You can reach me via the contact link in the show notes, or you can email me directly at info at she said.media. In the meantime, friend, have a great week. You take care and I'll talk to you again soon. She Said, She Said podcast is produced weekly by She Said, She Said Media.